your Bibles and turn with me once again to the book of Joshua. We're in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, we're going to be reading verses 13 through 15. I'm going to ask you please to stand together with me as we read from God's holy and inspired word. Joshua 5, beginning in verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword, with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Thus far the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I want to remind you kind of where we've been in the book of Joshua. We, we started here in the very first chapter where uh, we see that Moses... My servant, the Lord says to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you go and you lead these people to take possession of the land that I am giving to them. This is their inheritance, the promise that was given way back uh, to Abraham so many years before. And it's been passed down to uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and so on. It's passed down to Moses. And remember, I promised it to Moses. Now Moses is gone. Now you're the one that's going to lead him into the land. Now, in order to do this, you've got to be strong and courageous. And you be strong and courageous because you remember that I am with you, he tells him. And so we see that in chapter 1 and chapter 2. We see uh, the, the people send two spies into the land and they get into Jericho and they, they wind up at the house of a, of a prostitute named Rahab. And she knows that the Lord is sovereign over all the earth. He's almighty. Their gods are going to be no protection for them against uh, the God of Israel, against Yahweh. And so she hides the spies. And she says, would you, would, would you have your, uh, your people or your God protect me when you come? And they say, okay, we'll do that. Your family, you, you bring them into your house. And, uh, and uh, you know, as long as they stay in your house when we come, you'll be protected. If they get out, they won't be protected. Since you have you've kept us and you've hidden us, um, God will reward that. And so um, we see that in <clears throat> we see that in chapter two. In chapters three and four, we see the people finally, after all of these years, after five hundred years since it was promised to uh, Abraham before, now finally they're crossing the Jordan and they're stepping foot onto this land that is their inheritance. This land has been promised to them. And so we see them crossing the Jordan, and it's during flood stage, and the Lord stacks the waters up, and so they they don't they don't get wet at all. They cross the, the Jordan on dry ground to go across. So we see this amazing crossing, and then in chapter five, which we got to last week, the first. 12 verses, we see them coming into the land, and, and one of the first things they do is they begin celebrating sacraments. They, they uh, reinstitute uh, circumcision, which they hadn't had during these 40 years in the wilderness, and now they, they celebrate Passover as well. 
And at the end of that time, they begin to eat off the land. And the manna stops. After their first meal, which they've gotten from gleaning from the land, the manna stops. God is still providing. And so now we're ready. Now we're we're ready, we can, we can get busy doing the work of taking the land, right? That's what you would think. Now, everything's needed to happen. We're in the land. Now let's get on with the business of, of taking it. Let's get on with the business of, of going to battle against those and, and running out these, uh, uh, these people who are in the land and shouldn't be here. We would think we're ready for chapter 6. But God in His providence... And the writing of Holy Scriptures tells us not, not just yet. Not just yet. Uh, and so we see here at the end of chapter 5, for three verses, Joshua is going to encounter this mysterious individual. He's going to encounter him, and it's very important. It's very important that he encounter him and the things that happen here happen. This morning I want us to notice some of these important truths that we're going, to, we're going to gain from these three verses. Truths that were important for Joshua and the people in that day, but they're important for you and me here today as well. Because, you see, we're encountering the same individual. And so with that, I want us to look. You've got your outline in your bulletin. Two main points. The first main point is, who is this man? The only description we see of this man we find in verse 13 where Joshua sees him. He, he looks up and there he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And that's the description, a man with a drawn sword. So obviously Joshua is the leader of the people. He's the one who's supposed to be uh, helping the people you know, take the land. And as the leader, it's, on, it, it's only right that he would need to know if this is an enemy here with the sword drawn, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't do to have the enemy right there with your people with a sword just to go, or, 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 you know, start cutting up your people before you even get to battle. And so he, he goes up to him, goes up to this man and asks what would probably be for us the, the right question, right? Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Well, the NIV, this individual responds, he says, well, neither. But if you have another translation, such as the English Standard Version or the New uh, American Standard Bible uh, and some other translations, instead of neither, it's just no. It's just no. Are you for us or for our enemies? No. And, you, and it's like well, Joshua must be thinking, well, this was uh, an either-or question. It wasn't a yes and no question, but you answered a yes and no question. I, answered, I asked an either-or question, and you, you didn't answer it. You see, part of the problem here is that the question was wrong. Joshua's question to this individual was wrong. <clears throat> One commentator, M.H. Woodstrup, said, uh, the visitor does not fit Joshua's categories exactly. <laughs> he doesn't fit Joshua's categories. Joshua has a category. Either you're for us or you're for our, our enemies, but they're, and, and that, those are the only categories he can see. But this individual sees things differently. He sees them in different categories. And so when he says no in response to 
Joshua's question, then he says, he replies, but uh, as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. He reveals who he is. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. It's who I am. Not for you or for your enemies. Joshua's reaction, we see immediately when this individual reveals that he is the, the commander of the army of the Lord, we see then Joshua fell face down uh, to the ground in reverence. He fell, down, fa he fell face down to the ground in reverence. Now, in uh, other translations, uh, we have here in the NIV says in reverence. Uh, other translations use the word worship. The English Standard Version, the King James Version, New King James Versions, and other translations say Joshua's reaction was to worship. To worship. I think his reaction here, once the individual has identified himself, gives us a clue to even deeper identity. If Joshua was indeed worshiping this individual, which it seems that he is, especially we're going to see a little bit more, which would indicate that in just a minute. Um, if his response is to worship that individual, would that be right if the individual was an angel? Well, you can, uh, if you're taking notes, you can jot these references down. Um, Revelation 19, 9 and 10. Where John, um, where John is uh, in, in a vision and his angel comes to him. Uh, and we read these words. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who, who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And then again in Revelation chapter 22, John seems to be uh, tempted once again. Revelation 22 verses 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I, heard, uh, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who was showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Okay, so we go back to Joshua. If, uh, if Joshua here is worshiping this individual, and this individual is an angel what would the angel's response be? It would have been the same response as the angel's response was to John in the book of Revelation, right? Don't do that. You're not to worship me. I'm just a created being like you are. But it seems here that Joshua's response is accepted by the one who is there. If he is worshiping this one, and it is accepted, and it is good, then this one, it would seem to me, must be divine. Otherwise, Joshua is committing idolatry. And it seems that he even confirms this um, in verse 15, 
We read the words, The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You familiar with those words? Remember hearing them anywhere else? Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. Where else do we see that? It's in Exodus chapter 3, right? Exodus chapter 3, where uh, Moses is out in the wilderness and he sees something odd over there. He sees this bush that's on fire. Doesn't think that much about it. There are bushes on fire and, uh, you know, out there quite a bit. And he looks away and a few minutes later he looks back over and it's still on fire, but it's not burning up. It's staying green. And so he says, I need to go see what's going on here. And he goes over and there's a voice from the bush. And he tells him, Moses, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Now, the question is, if we could go to the very place where Moses was before that burning bush, would we need to take off our sandals? Because it's holy ground. No, we wouldn't. If we were to go to the very place where Joshua was and he sees this commander of the army of the Lord, would we need to take off our sandals because the ground is holy? No. What made the ground holy? What made the ground holy when Moses is before the burning bush? What makes the ground holy when Joshua is before the commander of the army of the Lord? What makes any place holy is the presence of God. And any time God's presence is there, that place is set apart. That place is holy. So the, the uh, commander of the army of the Lord says, Take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy. It is holy because the presence of God is there. It is what we would call a theophany, an appearance of God. We see it, we've seen it in Scripture before. We see it in in uh, Genesis chapter 3, we see it in Genesis chapter 3 where we see before the fall, God comes to the man and the woman and he walks with them and, and the, they communicate in the garden on a, on a regular basis. We see it in, uh, we also see his, his appearance uh, in Genesis 18 when these uh, three beings, these three messengers come to uh, Abraham and they're telling him, you know, your nephew Lot is in Sodom. You need to get him out of there because we're about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says that the Lord is the one telling him this. And this is one of these, these uh, beings here. And so we see a theophany there. We see a theophany in different ways, the appearance of God. He doesn't always appear as a human. We saw it in, with Moses in the burning bush. He appears as a fire. And Moses sees that, and so we call it a theophany. He's God appearing as a fire. We see it in Genesis 15, where God appears um, between the pieces of the animal as a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch coming down between the pieces. It's an, a theophany, an appearance of God. But when he appears, I believe, as a human being, it's what we would call, in the theological terms, a Christophany. It is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Not every commentator has agreed on this, but it makes sense to me that that is what we're seeing right here. This is Christ come before Bethlehem, and he's coming, and he's coming as the commander of the army of the Lord, and he's got his sword drawn, and he's coming to, and he's coming to Joshua. And it's important that Joshua recognize who he is. And it's important that Joshua responds as he does. 
And so first of all, who is this man, this commander of the army of the Lord? I believe, um, at least for me, I'm, I'm convinced it was a, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Come. And Joshua responds appropriately. So what is he about? Why has he come? This is point number two in your outline. Why has he come? What's he about? Well, we're going to see next week when we get to chapter 6 and verses 2 through 5, he gives instructions about how they're to do the battle of Jericho. Right? But that's next week. We'll get to there. Before, before that, we see something more important. We see something more important here in verse 15 when the commander of the Lord uh, replies, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And so he does it. We see what he has already done when he first, uh, when he first identifies himself as the commander of the army of the Lord. Uh, Joshua falls face down to the ground in reverence. Right? He's worshiping him. I'm to read to you just uh, one paragraph here from... Dr. Davis, Dr. Ralph Davis, he said, We would do well to ask the import, the import of this encounter. At least his primary function was not to give specific instructions, but to bring about reverent submission. Sometimes we need to see that Yahweh is not so much partisan as sovereign. That it is more important to recognize God's position than to know God's plans. We can easily become more interested in special guidance than in the right relationship with the guide. I love the line. It's, it's, uh, sometimes we need to see that Yahweh is not so much partisan as sovereign. That's what we need to see, and that's what Joshua needs to see here. He's not for them or for you. He's not partisan that way. This year is leap year. You remember we had an extra day in February this year. Leap year in this country means election year, just in case you didn't know. If somehow you missed the millions of signs in everybody's yard around Gainesville, or if you missed uh, you know, turning on the television for two minutes and you see 14 different ads, or if you want to look up something on Facebook, you can't go on there without, you know, before you get to see what you were looking for, uh, uh, Mike Bloomberg ad comes on, right? It was interesting. Mike Bloomberg dropped out of the race uh, uh, earlier this week. The next day, I was looking up something on Facebook, and there was a Mike Bloomberg ad. It was still on there. It's like, like I didn't get enough of it, okay? So um, anyway, being in an election year, uh, you, you get all this, but it seems that uh, people on both sides are going to claim that God is on their side, right? Do we ever hear that? Especially most of us in here in, are, who are conservatives and the circles we run in, we'll certainly want to say, well, God is on our side. That's kind of the question Joshua was asking, but it's not the right question. The real question is, are we on God's side? And that was a question that this commander of the army of the Lord wants to bring to Joshua. Not, am I on your side, but are you on my side? They're about to go into the land and do God's will by bringing judgment on the uh, Amorites, which we saw would happen back in Genesis 15. They're about to do God's will by bringing judgment on them. They're about to bring God's will by taking possession of the land that he's promised that, that they would inherit. 
But the question is not whose side is God on, but who's on God's side. And that's the real question here. That's the real question for Joshua. It's the real question for the people. God created man. When he created man, he created us to be worshiping beings that our lives would be full of worship of him. In our shorter catechism, we ask the question, what is man's chief end? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Paul writes uh, to the Corinthians and said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we're to do, we're to be living lives that are full of worship. And God is to be our primary focus in everything that we do. And so God comes here before chapter 6, before you go and, and you take up your battle plans, before you go and, and invade the, the, the land here, you need to make sure you get something right. It was important for Moses. God had give, giving, was going to give Moses a task. This is what you're to do. You're to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and you're to bring them, bring them out. But before that, Moses is before a burning bush and he's told, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. First things first, Moses. Before you go about the task I'm giving you, you worship me. And here's Joshua with an incredibly important task before him. Take these people, lead them to go into the land that I'm giving you as your inheritance and go and take possession of it. But before you start a single thing in doing that, you get your priorities straight and you worship and glorify me. You take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. It was important for Moses at the burning bush. It was important for Joshua here on the edge of Jericho. And I want you to know it's important for us today as well. God has given us a task. We're to, to take the gospel into all the world. We're to uh, receive the inheritance that he's given us. We're to know that uh, he, is, he is in charge and he is good and, 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 and that he's told us to do this. He's given us a task, an awesome task. But before we do that, what are we to do? We're to come and recognize who he is and to worship and adore him and recognize that we're doing his work. Before going into battle, Joshua and the people needed to understand who God is. He's almighty. He's the one who's going to bring the victory. He's the one, therefore, if he brings the victory, he's the one who's going to receive all the glory. We're not here this morning to recruit God to our side. So many times we might think that, and especially in a year like this where everything's political, we think, well, we need to recruit God to our side. If we get God on our side, nothing can stop us. We're not here to recruit God to our side. We're here to follow Him on His side and to worship and adore Him. That's what we're called to do. That's what Joshua's called to do. That's what we're called to do. So may we go from this place this morning 
recognizing that uh, we are to follow him and his direction and his sovereignty. Let's pray.